Hi, and welcome to another Sincere Approach to Manual Therapy podcast. Today, I want to talk to you all about posture and its importance or lack thereof in helping people deal with symptoms of acute and chronic pain. One of the first things we have to address when dealing with posture is the misnomer around posture and there is a significant level of importance that's often placed on it in a multitude of disciplines of manual therapy and healthcare and advertising and social media and oftentimes we'll have clients or patients come in and say i you know i have back pain and i've been told it's from my posture or i have bad posture and therefore i have pain and i, I remember in school being taught posture equals pain And of all the things I learned in school that science has since then shown to be inaccurate, I would say that posture equals pain is one of the most detrimental and has probably limited my growth as a practitioner uh, the most. And the reason is, is that it becomes ultimately very easy to blame posture on pain. To simply say, you know, you have lower cross syndrome or upper cross syndrome or forward head posture, rounded shoulders, lower dotted curve, all these, you know, APT, PPT, all these terms that are traditional to uh, postural discomfort. It becomes very easy to throw those terms out and either confuse yourself as a therapist and convince yourself that the posture is the reason for the discomfort or uh, confuse the clientele or the patient and make them believe the same thing. And uh, for a long time, I I got stuck in this rut, and it became very difficult for me as a therapist to change my mentality around posture. Um, But I would say in the last five years, I really shifted my mood and my thought process around the importance of posture in care and really moved away from the idea that posture equals pain. Um, And so to start with, what I want to talk a little bit about is what is poor posture. And really, people talk about posture in a lot of different ways, but uh, poor posture is really just a challenge to your postural system from inactivity. So really, the idea that you are going to be seated or standing in a certain position for an extended period of time that offers discomfort would be what I call poor posture. Now, already in the definition for it, we start to see a solution, which is an extended period of time with no movement in a in any form of posturally challenging position. And right there, we have kind of the solution behind poor posture. It's very simple. Move more. Posture and the discomfort we experience with posture really comes from a lack of movement more than a dysfunctional Uh, type of muscle tissue, Um, whether the muscles are considered to be stretch weakened or adaptively shortened, whether those terms are even accurate, really posture has to do with the fact that they're seated or standing in a position for an extended period of time that adds stress to the system and that the stress accumulates over time due to the lack of movement and that increases the discomfort. Um, Research really doesn't justify this idea that the posture 
is uh, the reason you have discomfort. And an example of that would be a research that was done in Australia where they had um, 1,100 um, children in Australia, children, I mean, I believe they were age 15 to 18, um, where what they tried to do was um, they essentially had them do uh, texting and they evaluated them and they found that there was no significant level of increase of discomfort or symptoms of discomfort related to uh, texting. That research paper is actually next neck posture clusters and their association with biopsychosocial factors and neck pain in Australian adolescents. And it was published in 2016. Um, and that's a pretty big study, 1,100 people. And essentially what it was, was uh, the findings had no association between cluster membership and neck pain. Headache challenges widely held beliefs about the role of posture in adolescent neck pain. And it essentially debunked that theory of uh, text neck. So again, it's not the position we are in, it's the lack of mobile behavior in that position for an extended period of time. Now this, this becomes very difficult to address as manual therapists because we, things like upper cross syndrome, lower cross syndrome, anterior pelvic tilt, posterior pelvic tilt, these do exist and we have normatives, uh, normative values that are given to posterior pelvic tilt and anterior pelvic tilt. We, these things do exist. And so there are scenarios where people have postural positionings and they have discomfort associated with them. However, traditionally, when people have that type of discomfort, if they are able to find an activity that they enjoy, be it hiking, running, playing a sport of some choice, swimming, whatever it is, gardening, whatever activity they prefer, they will find a way to adapt their positioning so that they can do that activity for an extended period of time with less discomfort. Or sorry, more yeah, less, less pain. And so in the process, um, their postural discomfort tends to disappear on their own through movement. And how this associates to manual therapy for me is that it takes away this idea that we can create a change in their postural problems, like forward head, uh, forward head posture around the shoulders. And instead, it, it puts the onus on the client or the patient to create a change in their behavior and that will create a change in their posture. And our goal as a therapist is to encourage that change and to support it and to offer treatment where makes where they feel confident enough to create those changes. Um, most of the time, patients will have a hard time adapting to those changes because they're worried about the pain that will come on. And there are some other studies that have been done that show that really the benefit around most manual therapy is not in decrease of pain. The benefit of most manual therapy is in giving clients and patients the confidence to move pain-free or to move even with their pain and create a change in their daily behavior and their activities. And those changes uh, that they're able to do at home because they now have the confidence because of the treatment they're receiving will create the long-term changes we're looking for. So it's a really important distinction between how we're looking at the historical idea that posture equals pain at all costs. Um, you know, the idea that upper cross syndrome, um, there's really very little evidence today to suggest that that's actually accurate. 
Um, it, it doesn't work any better than, than exercise. So again, manual therapy isn't necessarily the key. Exercise shows just as many positive results. Uh, when we're looking at things like um, upper cross syndrome, there's also uh, a large there's a large there's large room for error because a lot of the times the practitioner can do an assessment, let's say on muscle tension, whether you do muscle testing or not. They'll do a postural grid analysis. They'll take pictures and they'll look at your bony um, protrusions and things like that and landmarks. And so if it involves assessments, if, if it involves things like that, it becomes very difficult because everybody could be looking at it slightly differently or place importance on one bony landmark more than the other. So practitioner bias comes into postural variances a lot. And, and this is a very tough thing to, to address with clients and patients because honestly, since posture involves so much muscle tension, you know, physicians, personal trainers, uh, massage therapists, physios, physical therapists, chiropractors, osteos, uh, almost everybody in the healthcare industry places a large amount of importance on postural problems. The problem is, is there still is very little data to actually back it up. There was a study that was done that showed um, that the majority of therapists actually place a large importance on um, postural problems. I think it was 60, 65% considered it to be very important and 28% ranked it just below very important on why people have pain. And yet uh, in the study that was done um, by uh, Caracas uh, Sullivan, in 2019, uh, the physiotherapist perceptions of optimal sitting and standing posture, uh, the conclusion was that though this is widely held as a belief in a multitude of manual therapies, there's actually very little evidence to back up the idea that posture is the reason for those discomfort. It's just a widely held belief. And so we really need to be challenging those beliefs if we want to be dealing with what we've talked about in some of these other podcasts about evidence-based care. Um, so I think, I think we really need to start reevaluating how much of an importance we play on posture. Another good reason that we would want to begin reevaluating whether or not posture really plays into the level of discomfort someone is experiencing was a study that was done by another group of Australians uh, called Soas and Quindratus Lumborum Muscle Asymmetry Among Elite Australian Football League Players. And this was published in 2010. And essentially what it was, there were 54 Australian football players they did MRIs to measure um, the size of um, both their quadratus lumborum and their psoas, and they found a lot of asymmetry between the two. And most most people would, would think that this plays into the importance of their discomfort because it relates to uh, lack of balance between the two, uh, you know, antagonistic and antagonistic muscle tissue. But really, the research found that asymmetry in muscle size was not related to the number of injuries that these players had. And so even though it was widely spread, this, this asymmetry, the injuries were not related uh, to it. And so it didn't increase the risk factor of injury. So again, this postural theory that shorten muscles and lengthen muscles um, that are asymmetrical play into our postural discomfort, postural pain, really doesn't stand up to the research. The last big concern with posture, similar to most practitioner biases, is um, this theory that 
we're going to look for confirmation bias. And so if, if we're trained to assume that posture equals pain, when somebody comes in with upper back discomfort, we will immediately look for confirmation that their posture is off and that's why they have pain. Um, I'll use a personal example in my life. Uh, my mother is a chef. She was a chef for a very long time, a cook, and uh, she's never really ex expressed in her life upper back pain. It's never really been one of her complaints. But by, but uh, yes, she has forward head posture and rounded shoulders. Um, but it's it's never really been one of her major concerns. And another personal experience, uh, you know, dealing with Olympic level mountain bikers and road cyclists for many years when I traveled with uh, with the Czech Factory Racing Team and several other national teams was they complained about body aches and body discomfort, mainly low back, knees, glutes, quads, but the upper back and neck were actually not that common of a concern or complaint comparatively to the other areas of their body. And yet, you know, they're in a tucked cycling position, which often has their neck in full extension, rounded shoulders, a big kyphotic curve. And several of them had quite significant postural imbalances, what we would consider neutral posture. Um, and yet their discomfort didn't relate to their upper body uh, and their neck and shoulders comparatively to other portions of the body. Now, by no means is that science. Those are personal experiences. But I'm sure if we all reflect, we can think of many humans in our life who we've encountered who have what we would traditionally consider poor posture, who aren't reflecting postural discomfort or who don't complain about it. And we also have many people in our lives who probably have decent posture and yet complain of discomfort. And uh, I can think of a lot when I was working with Olympic athletes who did have good posture in other sports like sprinting and swimming, and yet their discomfort was quite high. And again, it had to do with usage and overuse or lack of use when it comes to uh, posture. So I, I really think therapists need to begin reevaluating where they place the importance um, when it comes to posture and when it comes to our sedentary behavior. Yeah, when we look at some other studies that were done, on average, most humans in the U.S., this was a study that was done between 2001 and 2016 on the trends in sedentary behavior among the U.S. population only, so it doesn't relate to other people as much. But they found that on average, people sit six to eight hours without activity. So when we talk about postural discomfort, should activity not be our concern and allow that to change their posture over time? Uh, let alone if, if they can change their posture, which is a whole different conversation on, on how much effort it takes to actually create long-term changes and whether it's worth the effort. Um, so again, reflect when you're dealing with a client or a patient. Don't give yourself confirmation bias on the idea that their posture is the reason for their pain and then look for their postural discomforts. We can find those anywhere we want. The goal here is to help them with their discomforts. And in all likelihood, most of the research shows us that the reason for most people's discomfort is a lack of activity or overuse of activity. Uh, so a lack of balance in their behavior. So if we can make that the key component to treating care, um, then, then you're likely going to have a higher result with their pain than specifically dealing with something like you have bad posture, treat these isolated factors. Uh, movement will be the key factor. So thanks a lot again for listening today. I hope you guys got something out of it. And if you ever have a chance to look at those research papers, they're really good. If you're interested in more information around the sensory approach to manual therapy and how it is that we integrate research and evidence-based treatment um, medicine into our treatments and change our, 
our old way of thinking around modalities, um, you can go to www.sensoryapproach.com or, or .ca and you can register for the online course. Um, you can look on our Instagram page, which is Sensory Approach, and in our bio there, we have links to live webinars. We have links that you can do on, on that or webinars that you can do on demand. We have online classes that you can do on demand um, to get more information around this stuff. And if you haven't followed us on Instagram, please do Sensory Approach. And I uh, hope you guys had a great day. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Bye. of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all.